Welcome to The Tech That Connects Us, a podcast dedicated to the stories of leaders in the technology industries that bring us closer together, specifically content and media, satellite and news space, connectivity and cybersecurity. Your hosts are me, John Clifton, Laurie Scott and Will Trenchard, the founders of Nuco, a specialist global recruitment and executive search firm focused on these exact industries. We love being a part of them and we're excited to share these stories with you. Welcome to the Tech That Connects Us. Your host today are me, Jake Sparks, heading up Nuco's cybersecurity division, alongside John Clifton, Nuco co-founder. We're delighted to be joined today by David Brown. Hello. Hello. Uh, David has over 20 years of experience in sales leadership, and a decade ago, he began specializing in the OT, that is operational technology domain, providing security solutions to verticals like utilities, oil and gas, and chemicals. It's been quite a roller coaster since then, going public with Gentrack and then heading up sales for Security Matters, both before and after their acquisition by Forescout. Most recently, he's been VP and General Manager for AI-driven threat detection and threat intelligence cyber vendor, ZeroFox. Welcome to the show, David. Hello there. Nice to be here. Thank you, Jake. And uh, thank you, John. Great Lovely time. to have you on. <laughs> thank you. Welcome to the show. Uh, to get the story started, we like to go back to the beginning. How and why did you get into the cybersecurity industry? Uh, good question. So um, I can't say I had a, a, a tremendous game plan. Um, by profession, I failed engineer and chemist. So how did I get into cybersecurity? Um, first of all, I started by getting into building control systems for oil refineries, a company called UOP. So those of us who are old enough remember UOP Shadows Formula One team, which I think is late 70s. Um, I got into that. So at, a, at an age, I was designing control systems and it was great. They, wow. I got to live in the, in the US. I, I traveled around the world wherever they were building a refinery, which is not necessarily a glamorous place. Um, and I explained to people how this control system would work. And if you can imagine it, one of the systems to my credit um so i was on the team that, that built it was um a catalyst regeneration plant so if you can imagine platinum catalyst uh, surrounded by crude oil pet uh, petroleum products being cleaned in pure hydrogen at a few hundred degrees centigrade that's a bomb um wow so my control system was the bit that stopped this thing from going boom um, and taking out a, a section of an oil refinery, which is fairly combustible. So it would have been a big event. Um, wow. So I used to design, or as part of the team, design those. And when we built those, we didn't think about connecting it to the internet. We didn't think about connecting it to other stuff. We didn't think about... And it was a few years later, after I'd got more into software and design uh, and other things, I came to work for uh, a company called Industrial Defender uh, mm. and started going back the other way about delivering, delivering systems that would secure that type of uh, that type of control system. And you start from there and then you start working out to um, electrical grids. 
you start looking at connected devices on pharmaceutical networks, you do all of those things. So electrical grids, I've got a few nation states where we secured uh, their gas and electric grids. Um, yep, some pharmaceutical companies wow. had some, some interesting exploits. And uh, you, know, you get through to the security matters type thing. Well, the world's connected. Uh, yeah. you know, everything that you start taking for granted is becoming connected if it's not already connected. Mm. Um, and yeah, quite honestly, a number of the systems that we, we nobody ever thought about securing them from potential harm or damage. Mm. Fascinating, fascinating to see that journey because a lot of people go from cyber and then and then learn about the industries that cyber supports. It's interesting to see you come from that industry background and and then into cyber in, in that way. Uh, yes, I mean it's it is. Um, and thank you for that. I think maybe one of the philosophical differences as well is is people who come in start talking about FUD, you know, the fear, uncertainty, and doubt. So um, if you don't do this, the lights will go out and you'll be in the Bronze Age within three days type approach. Mm. Uh, and so whilst obviously that is a potential, we all try and guard against that. I'd like to think because I've been in the other side and we look about, we look at operational efficiency. So I hate mm. to say 20 years ago, um, three guys and I wrote um, a book and a program where we taught people how to deliver process control improvement um, and that's return on investment. How much money will you make or save by doing something better? And in that case, it's by replicating your very, very best person at the control desk um, mm sausages or making until it took you about stack height of biscuits um, <laughs> sort of things there's an economic imperative to doing that and actually when you think about cybersecurity, there's there's keeping bad guys at bay there's also a lot of housekeeping you know mm. they, they, the mundane bits of so people have got to look at logs people have got to look at alerts people have got to look at flashing lights you know lots mm. of flashing lights and uh, Actually, it's all about how can you make that world more efficient? And there's yeah. re return on investment to all of this because in the cyber world around OT, a lot of the time there's a, there's a perfectly valid non-threatening reason why a device is no longer available. It could mm. be change a control card, change a setting, done a something. But it means that device is not available, which means the plant doesn't run or it doesn't run yeah, quite. At optimum. And actually, good cyber will tell you what it is, what you need to go do to fix it, go fix it. Um, good cyber is, you know what, I've only got a limited number of people in the SOC. How can I make their life easy by automating mm. stuff so they only triage the things that are really important to them? Or as a managed service, somebody else does that. Yeah, um, yeah. So I think I, the bit I learned from the process is you come at not from fear, uncertainty and doubt, you come, how can I improve your operational efficiency? Mm. And that rings true with a guy on process or a CISO because they're all looking at ROI these days and risk. Um, what's their real risk? How can they mitigate their risk? Fascinating. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, and over to John, who I believe has more questions about your early career. Yeah, so keen to, to get some understanding around some of the bits that I guess have <clears throat> shaped your career and so on. So what do you feel has been the biggest driver in shaping your your business life and, and where you've got to now in your career? 
Um, going for the awkward challenge or the interesting challenge. Um, so I've always been driven by that. So we were, we were, we were talking before, um, whether, whether it's the Don Quixote thing or it, it's the firefighting thing is go for the big challenge. So my early, early career, it was always about learning, um, continuous path to, to try and learn. Um, and latter career has always been around. So where's an interesting challenge? Um, and I went for the challenge, to be honest. Um, I think yeah, my side, people look at where, you know, where's, where's the money, where's this? I look for the, where's, where's the challenge and all those other things will follow. Mm. Um, so my career startups and turnarounds, you know, they uh, pretty much all the interesting bits have been around how, how do we turn it around? How do we start it up? How do we do more with what we've got? Um, you know, Jake kindly mentioned, so we did well with uh, Security Matters. We sold that on to Forescout. Um, that was the, the deliberate part of the journey. Uh, GenTrack before that, yep, um, scaled that up, took that to an IPO. That was an interesting path. Learned with both of those how you, you set up an organization for an IPO, how you set up an organization perhaps differently if you want to do a trade sale. Um, before that, some companies like Data Technology and, um, and Markham were very much turnarounds. Um, so I went for the challenge and learned lots along the way. Fantastic. Very good. And, and I mean, there, there's been quite a common theme throughout your career, as you've mentioned, in terms of the types of challenges that you've taken on. Um, but I was curious to know, is there one piece of advice that looking back, you would have given yourself right at the start of your career? Um, oh gosh, that's an, in, that's an interesting one. Um, I think actually it, it, it's just about maintaining confidence, uh, mm. because you get some really interesting peaks and troughs. Um, so you have to, to learn how to be robust and ride with those. Uh, I think early self, when you're first seeing all of this, you, you kind of go, <gasps> Um, you know, later <laughs> you turn around and you think, oh, yeah, fine, done that. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, th I think looking at us on the screen, we've all got a little bit of grey hair. I'd like to say mine was probably accelerated by some of the earlier days. Um, but I think it was, you know, just 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 have confidence. Just just you'll be fine. It will all work out in the end, and it did, thankfully. Great. And on the, I guess the kind of the the management side, was that something that you always wanted to do in terms of managing people and kind of driving performance? Yes. Um, one of the things I found that I really enjoyed as soon as I started um, leading people to any shape or form is the coaching side. Um, and I think the bit for me is about if you can have a positive influence and shape and improve somebody's performance, then that can have a really good impact on that person. So whether that's an altruistic um, or whatever perspective, but you know, in coaching, you, you can do some good things. So mm -hmm. I've, I've got some great performers today um, that I help, I'd like to think I helped along the way. Um, you know, one guy I acquired Similar sort of venture to me, um, deeply, deeply technical. Um, he definitely wasn't a failed engineer, very much an engineer, but never had a sales job in his life. Um, I acquired him 
first year he was our most successful sales guy second year was our most successful sales guy third year was our most successful sales guy wow. um, the guy who went from nothing in terms of sales experience or pipeline to close multi-million dollar deals with people like amazon um with the largest energy utilities in the u.s and probably you know what what were we able to do with it together well first of all he had natural curiosity i mean he's a very bright guy great curiosity second bit absolutely open to coaching and i think for me mm. when you look at who do you want to hire um i so i you know like most people i've got my methodologies you know what am i looking for i'm looking for do they have that that curiosity second one is coaching you know are they open to being coached um because if you are you can really improve people's performance and he was you know th th this guy turned out to be a star so going from a zero sales experience second year this guy was earning a million dollars a year um wow. So that's not bad. So imagine mm -hmm. if you get to know the individuals behind that, what impact you can have on their life. Mm -hmm. You can have that mm -hmm. impact on their life. So you'd get really specific about, say, John, you know, lovely bike behind you. Do you want to buy some more bikes? Do you want to do something mm -hmm. with the family? Well, let me help you to get there. In order to get there, these are the things we've got to do. When they start talking about the pursuits, you break that down. So how can I make you better in this stage? How can I make you better in that stage? How can I make you better in this stage? It's not always going to be a pleasant conversation, um, but it has to be, it's not a, a brutal and it's not breaking people down, but it might not be the things you want to hear at any given time. Mm. Um, so somebody needs to be open to that form of coaching and you can really improve their life you can improve their family's life. And I like that love being able to do that to people uh with people and being honest it also benefits me so why would you not want to do that mm -hmm. and why would you not want to build up uh an atmosphere of coaching and improvement absolutely com completely agree and, and thank you very much for those answers really good to to understand a bit more around um around your career and, and what shaped it so we we've heard about some of those um aspects and a bit around the past so that kind of brings us into uh into the present so back over to jake great thank you uh, and what does the threat landscape look like right now for ot in particular um ot in particular i think the threat landscape is so if you take the adversarial, the fear, uncertainty and doubt piece, yes, there's there's no doubt that there are more people, um, more types of attack on OT. So you're seeing ransomware, mm. uh, you're seeing ransomware popping up um, a lot more commonly, or at least you're hearing about that now. And in hearing about that, yes, actually, there are more threat actors doing more things. One of the interesting bits about OT is actually when you look at the infrastructure it's built on. So I'd still say Windows, NT and XP are probably the most prevalent operating systems in an OT environment around the world. And saw so your mouth drop. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 actually, it's not like. Uh, so what does that mean? It means that there's a ton of exploits available off the Internet. Uh, you don't have to be that smart. But if you work up through the levels of sophistication, so you start talking about large organizations and, and, and so, yeah, they've got a really quite sophisticated security posture. 
the two things that I think are, are really interesting at the moment in that space, it's not about more technology to see what's going on in your OT network. Um, it's about consolidation of those um, because otherwise you're faced, if you're a, a CISO or you're a, um, a, a, an information security director, you've got more flashing lights and you know what to do with, mm. more alarms and you know what to do with and triage. And you may have um, an aging workforce, so you don't have the people with the domain expertise to understand what's going on. And I think there's going to be a bigger driver for how do you consolidate all that stuff into the single pane of glass. Mm. There'll be a driver to provide either AI or a managed service around. So Jake, here are the top three things. You've got a million flashing lights. Here are the five mm. things you need to worry about. And in the five things you need to worry about, here's the top three with recommended remedial action for those three, mm. as, as evidenced by what's going on outside the rest of the world. The other one is risk. Um, so you're seeing now there's new bills going through in the US. You're seeing in this part of the world, uh, CISOs are looking at, so what's the risk across all of my platforms, IT and OT? And a driver, for, and it's not been so easy with OT to understand what's going on because you've had all these flashing lights and unconnected systems, lots of technology, but not connected. Um, so they want to know what their risk is and they want to know their risk is because there's also a developing insurance market. Um, so in London, uh, predominantly in London, a number of uh, insurers are getting together and looking at how can they take IT and OT cyber risk and turn that into a product which they can sell. Mm. Um, and when you look at the potential for that market, that's probably 30, 40 times the size of the complete OT market. Mm. Um, what I can see we will get to in the next two, three years is a bit like our, you know, our kids and their cars with the black boxes in them uh, when they pass their test and saying, how are you driving? Uh, and that mm. will uh, impact your monthly insurance premium. I can see the same thing mm. happening in industry, um, you know, may, but uh, your premium may vary depending on your attitude to risk and your controls and how you're maintaining your controls across the whole estate. Um, and that enables you to make an economic decision because you might say, you know what, I will stand the increase in premium or the increase in premium and uh, justifies me doing these things across my plant because yeah. doing stuff on the plant may mean you have to turn bits off, may mean all sorts of things. They might not even have the people available to do that work. So it become a very much return on investment type decision. If you remember talking a few minutes ago about my career, it's not about fear, uncertainty and doubt. It's actually about economic imperative. So it'll be about mm. economic imperative and risk. That's a very long answer to a simple question. No, fascinating. Really fascinating. It, very interesting to hear you talk about risk like that. Um, are there any other CISO pain points that you don't feel are, are currently being addressed by the market? I think... No, and I come back to, I think it's, it's actually, it's the, it's the opposite. So we're looking at endpoints. We're looking at what's going on in the networks. Uh, we're talking now about future devices having uh, software development in safe spaces so that you're actually encoding the devices in a safe way. 
Um, yeah, you're looking at perimeter, you're looking at cloud, you're looking at all sorts of things. Um, I think if you're a CISO, this is, this is like this constant bewildering uh, bunch of stuff flashing in front of your very eyes and everybody's mm. saying this is the best and latest you need. But the bit really is about simplification and consolidation. And I think that's the piece that that's really interesting. And it's going to be driven by risk. Yeah. Actually, a CISO isn't, look, in my opinion, is not looking for another piece of tech to solve mm. another problem that they hope they didn't have. Um, it's about managing the estate they've got. It's about managing risk, specifically risk. And it's how can you help them do that? Fascinating, really interesting. And and how do you see the ways in which cyber vendors, as a result of that, how do you see the ways in which cyber vendors sell to enterprise clients evolving? It's going to be a very interesting consolidation. So I think we're now getting to the play where there's going to be more managed services sold in this space than ever before. Um, and why? Because that's just a skill shortage. Um, so I come back to my, how do you consolidate? Because you can only provide a managed service if you can consolidate down to fewer platforms and have some intelligence on the back end of it. Um, I think their in artificial intelligence is going to come into this because there's some automatic uh, rules that you can write because all of this has been seen elsewhere before. So it's how do you share amongst many that mm. kind of intelligence um, and doing all of that with a skill shortage in OT and particular in, in that operational side of it. So you're going to have to look at how do you automate that or provide a managed service so you have a few serving many. Fascinating. Thank you. Thank you. And very comprehensive answers. Much appreciated. And um, so that leads us on to, uh, to John, who I think has got some questions about how you see the future. Yeah, so first one, <clears throat> I think the, the last 18 months has been a very interesting time for everybody. But one of the things I think that it's had an impact on both from a business perspective, but also from employees is given the 24-7 high intensity of growing businesses and revenue via international sales teams and so on and so forth. What do you think can be done on a kind of personal and team level to try and prevent burnout for um for the individuals particularly i guess within sales teams it's a really good question that burnout um because i think there's a um an always on culture that's especially in the last 18 months that sort of developed um and actually i shout shout out um past boss of mine uh james docking so uh james had this had I remember going for walks with James. So James, James, like you have to make this a lifestyle, and in making it your lifestyle, um, you also have to figure out that there are times of the day you need to just take off, do things, mm. and not feel the guilt off. Um, so when I was working with James, um, that was GenTrack, and either eleven or thirteen hour time differences. So let's call it twelve, which meant you work a day, you work all day at work, you get home seven or eight o'clock at night, um, have some tea, say hello to the kids, and get back on calls again. Um, and that will kill you. Um, you know, past mm. five, if you get up and you're on on a call at 
three, four, yeah, five o'clock in the morning to Asia, and then you're on the call at 10 o'clock at night to the West Coast uh, and the same day, and you keep doing that, that'll kill you. And if you're sitting in front of Zoom all day and not getting out, uh, you'd be a bit like me, a bit tubby below the, uh, below the waist. And you need to figure out that you need to create some breaks, whatever mm. you do, build that into your daily routine. So whether it's hitting your rowing machine, hitting your bike, walking your dogs, uh, doing something, you need to figure out what it is that enables you to do that and get some life balance. The nice thing is, if you're in sales, actually, we're all rewarded by results. You were not rewarded by the number of hours that you're on a Zoom or generic alternative call. Um, you know, you're rewarded on results. So you should figure out what works for you. Apply yourself, do that, but not feel guilty about taking the breaks out. And I think the Zoom bit, you'd be amazed how many other people are, have been suffering as well um so meeting them in a coffee shop meeting them as i've been doing the last year or so uh, on golf courses um you know, i'm sure john meets them on his, in his peloton uh, being super fit like <laughs> clad um <laughs> you get some of that into your daily weekly monthly activity i think that's that's more important now than ever before isn't that yeah completely right. Mm-hmm. completely agree completely agree um and and on a on a technical technology front from the future are there any you know big technologies or, or more broader themes forming the narrative from a cybersecurity standpoint i think we really just i don't see anything massively new coming in so i, I think if you are a CISO, if you're a new vendor, I think we pretty well understand where the pinch points, where the opportunities for threat are. And my bit about consolidation, I think we're seeing that. So we're seeing you know, automation platforms where you're looking at, you make a change to your cloud infrastructure. And there are platforms out there that will check all of the things that you've done against mm-hmm. the hack playbook to make sure that you've not inadvertently left something open so that's automating really quite mundane arduous tasks detailed tasks that need to be done and that gives you that you know, my my concept of risk um i think in the ot world you've seen no end of uh, passive detecting sensors active technologies everything really um i see more coming into the space and making that space crowded um but actually that presents a completely different problem if you've got lots of people competing with bits of technology if you're the poor old uh plant owner or you're the poor old CISO is, is how do I integrate all this stuff how do mm. I put it together into one place you know I'm getting more and more flashing lights and honestly that's not what I need um <laughs> I need somebody come talk to me about how do I make this whole operation more efficient you know, how can I um, reduce my cost? How can I improve my risk scoring? Actually, the fundamental, how can I get risk scoring? Because that's not traditional in the OT world. Um, how can I position myself better for insurability? How can I cope with the fact that there aren't OT trained, capable people there? So you look at big 
companies um, and they're putting people, their IT security people on OT conversions. And it actually, if there was a theme, it's probably going to be around education. Uh, how do you educate these people to become the next generation of? I mm. think that's where technology is going to come in. And it, and it is about how do you take machine learning? How do you take artificial intelligence? How do you take all of those good business rules and, and what other people have seen and share that and automate it. Brilliant. Um, and, and coming back to the the people front, um, you know, you mentioned, you know, getting out and seeing people and, you know, meeting people on golf courses. Um, one thing that we that we haven't had anything of um, for, for a long while now is, is the big conferences and the big trade shows. Um, so do you miss them? And do you think that they'll come back in the same sort of way? So I, I, I have to admit, I've got a friend in the conference industry and I'll tell him exactly the same thing. I hate them with a passion. Uh, ah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, if you look at it from my, my perspective, um, generally I sell to, to large enterprise and I sell to you know, people with oil refineries. So let's, let's take an oil refinery bit as an, as an example. So whether it's large financial institutions, whether it uh, is to, you know, any form of finance or whether it's G2K or it's oil and gas or energy, I know where they are. Um, Yes, I know where they are. There, there, there's more than enough databases. There's LinkedIn. There's everything else to mm. tell me who do I need to go focus in on and who, how do I build an account-based marketing campaign to go talk to the right people about the right things versus the complete randomness that I'm going to stand on an exhibition stand and the very person I want to walk, uh, I want to talk to is going to walk on my stand and say, hey, David, you know what? I need to buy some of your stuff, whatever your mm. stuff is. Um, whenever you think about that as you know, probability and returns on my investment, I'd say it's highly unlikely. Um, however, I think if you build the right structure around orchestrating meetings with your partners and maybe meetings with some of the customers and you drive them to that as an event there's a lot of worth there. there's a lot of merit it's a great place to go catch up with your colleagues and competitors and others um so that another long-winded one am i looking forward to it no not really um i think we built better events um from my return on investment so i'll, I'll, throw, I'll throw the question open so would you come and see me at mercedes world which is just down the, the way from where i live and you and maybe a dozen of uh, people similar to you, CISOs, we go drive some cars around the track for uh, a morning. Uh, you have to listen to a little bit of propaganda. We'll, we'll build some proper <laughs> You'll be doing something worthy that you'll put on your own Facebook feed. Or would you rather bump into us at a, on a conference stand, which will cost me more? Um, yeah. and at the very best what will we do we'll, we'll exchange business cards and we'll say you know what on Monday or Tuesday I'll give you a call and let's try and book something in and that will lead to a two or three week uh, hiatus until you actually get something sorted neither one of us will be really particularly happy about that so I think we need to think outside the, the old box um, and do something more meaningful personal and relevant yeah, I, I, I do agree. I miss I, I do miss some of the big trade shows, but I do think 
there are there are definitely some elements of them that needed to change and I, and I think they will need to change and I think they'll become more relevant and I think they'll 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 hopefully be more value for everybody concerned so um thanks very much for, for all of those um questions really appreciate it and um, the next section is something I think we we all agree is is something that we can address as much as possible and talk about as much as possible and that's diversity so back over to Jake much appreciated uh, uh, David, what's your assessment of how well cyber is tackling diversity? Um, so when I listened to one of your previous podcasts, I thought that's a really interesting question. So whether you talk about uh, gender diversity or whether you talk about ethnicity. Um, mm-hmm. So my experience, I'm just thinking zero box. So my top performers three out of the four top performers were female. No matter, uh, when right. you look at how they hit their targets uh, or customer satisfaction or just mastery of, of their customers and their process and what they were doing. Mm. Um, my first boss in my first sales career was a lady. Um, and mm. so I think that they're, you know, in terms of, uh, gender, I think, yep, there, there's there's plenty of diversity. Can there be more? Yeah, absolutely. I think mm. level playing fields there should be. Um, when you look at ethnicity, um, so I can turn around and say, years ago, I was the talking head for India in a past role, and I was brought along because of the colour of my skin. I would be more credible in an Indian market and that the Indians were bringing me across because mm. they were manipulating that for themselves. Um, and I used to think, this is, this is really strange. Why am I doing this when I've got these really bright people here? And actually it was because the bright people were saying, this is how we want to exploit the system. Uh, mm. And that was, that was an interesting perspective. So you, you move on today. I don't think the ethnicity anywhere in the world is going to be a big deal. So I look at mm. my colleagues across you know, multiple companies and I'd like to think that we've got a fair representation. Mm. Um, I think that the bit behind is about education um, and it's making sure that enough people of whatever gender and ethnicity get the educational choices that get them to that place where they're qualified to come into the industry. I don't think the industry per se has a problem. I think there are lots of worthy causes that talk about uh, ensuring that we we have a a conscience about gender equality, a conscience Mm. about uh, orientation and a conscience about um, sort of racial equality. But I think the actual, the fundamental is about society ensuring that we educate enough people around mm. the world irrespective of that that puts them in a place where they can get into once they're yeah. there, i think there's a tremendous amount of opportunity for everybody absolutely absolutely it's great to hear you talk about zero fox and the makeup of your of some of your leaders in the sales team uh, in that way and i guess there's, there's part of it is about representation right it's about seeing people like you in in positions of power within within cyber vendors it, it Certainly, it seems to be, hopefully we're on the right track and, and things are improving. I think so. Yeah, I'd mm. like to think so. I think we're, we're, we're well and truly in the 21st century. Mm. 
Excellent. Excellent. Thank you. Topic we could discuss for hours. Such an important subject. Um, uh, we'd like to learn a little bit more about you. Uh, and I think John's got some questions about that. All right. So um, what we like to understand is, is what might a perfect weekend be? So we, we were chatting a little bit before we started the show. So I think we've Jake and I have got an idea of some of the activities that you might uh, that you might enjoy, um, probably car related. So talk us from Friday evening to Sunday evening, please. Friday evening, Sunday evening. So um, I must admit, I do enjoy the cinema. Um, so that, that's one of my things for getting out. Um, my perfect weekend, if I could get away with it, um, I've got a profoundly disabled daughter who lives with her mother and, and I have her this weekend. So actually this weekend will be a pretty good weekend for me. Friday's about picking her up, uh, fighting the good fight on the M1 and the M25 and getting her home, getting her fed, uh, bathing her and getting her to bed, um, doing all of those things together as a family. Um, it would be, you know, we've got three dogs, a cat and a horse, um so there would be a fair amount of animal-based activities um we're talking about the breaks from actually i really enjoy um walking dogs that's sort of my mental floss bit um yeah walk the dogs actually there's a tip dog owners make really good sales leaders i found that out with sales people and it and the bit i take from that is because a dog you've got to go pick up after it clean up after it look after it um yeah I, I also have a cat and they're quite independent but mm. doggo there's a good correlation if you've not thought about that huh. um yeah love food so i'm married to an italian uh so quite honestly from breakfast until we go to bed it's all about what's the next meal going to be when i worked mm. with italians at security matters that was that was a fair part of the conversation mm. um if I could get out and sneakily in, in my ideal weekend, play golf, that would be quite good fun. Um, mm. I can't understand why I can't master hitting a small white object. But at least I get a good walk. At least I, uh, I have a bit of fun. And usually I'm playing with people that I, I really like. So uh, that's always a good crack. Uh, cars, yeah, I love cars. Um, so golf club in the back of the car and maybe driving off to somewhere interesting, um, possibly with a quite a quick road um, that I could go to. That probably, yeah, those, those are all the things I'd really enjoy that weekend. That weekend sounds um, sounds lovely. Sounds lovely. yeah. I, I think with that bit of a creative weekend because I'm not sure how we could fit all those activities. Maybe <laughs> no, listen, it's the perfect yeah. weekend. Yeah, no. yeah. A little bit of time travel yeah. and and the odd assistant. <laughs> the too. Yeah. Wonderful. All right. Very good. Um. So straight into the quickfire round. Jake, back over to you. Excellent. Uh, no clues here. Uh, it's just about thinking on your feet. Uh, triumphed in lockdown or failed in lockdown? Triumph. Fantastic. Thank you. Uh, Self-catering or all-inclusive? Ooh, all-inclusive if they include cocktails. <laughs> Quiet. <laughs> what would you sing at karaoke? What would be your song? Don't want to hear me sing. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you break into song at that moment. Uh, 
What would I sing? Actually, yeah, it would probably be. Uh, I'm a big dance and uh, Nile Rogers fan, so probably something. Right. There you go. Good choice. Good choice. I did Rocket Man, which I know quite well. And somebody came up to me and said, Why did you choose to sing this song if you don't know it? And I said, No, I didn't. Uh, <laughs> I actually know this. Song. I still couldn't tell. Yeah, so I, <laughs> that's I, how tone deaf I am. There you go. Try and put lockdown. <laughs> The new Elton John uh, lockdown sessions. Um, go listen to that one. Interesting. I'll oh, check it out. Thank you. Thank you. Um, what's your favourite game or sport to watch and play? Uh, I rugby. Used to be a rug, big rugby fan. Uh, used to play it when I a lot when I was at school. Still carry the injuries from then. Mm. Um, I was lucky enough when we were at Gentrack. Uh, to uh, to to spend a whole uh, campaign with the All Blacks when they won, wow. uh, invited to Twickenham to see them beat the Australians. Um, that was an awesome time. They're brilliant people. Mm, I bet. I bet. Thank you. Uh, opera or rock music? Oh, rock music without shadow of a doubt. Mm, excellent. Thank you. Are you a morning lark or a night owl? Owl. Thank you. Uh, Netflix or Disney Plus? Ooh, good, good <laughs> one. Uh, Mandalorian is on Disney. Um, uh, my daughter's here. It will be uh, your choice of Little Mermaid movies. and But for every other occasion, it would have to be Netflix. Interesting. I've heard good things about Mandalorian. I... I'm a bit of a geek. I liked my Star Wars mm. stuff. I enjoyed oh, it. Maybe we could again. Uh, would you rather ride a bike, ride a horse, or drive a car? We know the answer. To this. <laughs> or drive a car. Car, car, car. <laughs> I do have a bike. Enjoy riding that. My uh, my wife's got the horse. No, uh, <laughs> the car most certainly, especially if we're talking about what I was doing on Monday. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you. Uh, and what makes you laugh the most? Uh, conversations like this. Um, you know, I, I really enjoy the, uh, I enjoy people. I think it, it really, it is. You find you in life, you find good people. You can have a great laugh. Great. Great. Thank you. Uh, finally, Apple or Microsoft. Oh, I'm an Apple geek. Everything on my desk mm. in front of me here is Apple. Uh, they've made a fortune out of me. <laughs> Very compelling, aren't they? Yes, indeed. <laughs> thank you. Um, thank you for, to, for that. Uh, passing on to John for the final question. All right. So thanks very much for um, for all of your answers today. And just one final question, which is what we ask everybody who, who joins us on the show. Uh, what one piece of advice would you give to someone entering the cybersecurity industry? Develop curiosity. If you don't have it, mm. to get curious. Um, it, it's digging behind the thing. It's all about why. Why, why, why? So if I teach you anything, it's always about ask the question, why? All right. Quite right. Absolutely. Well, look, thank you so much. It's been really, really interesting today. Thank you so much for your time, David. Great to have you on the podcast and look forward to speaking to you again soon. All right. Perfect. Jake, John, thank you for having me. Pleasure. Take care. Cheers. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please do subscribe and give us a rating. It really helps these stories to be found and enjoyed by more people. For more information about NUCO, we can be found at www.neuco-group.com. You've been listening to The Tech That Connects Us.